0: Um, my name is Lillian O'Brien Davis. I'm the curator of exhibitions and public programs at Gallery 44, Centre for Contemporary Photography. I'm so pleased to welcome you to the launch of Leticia Cosbert Miller's book of Collected Essays Swimming Up a Dark Tunnel. Um, before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the land we're gathered on today. Gallery 44 and Art Met acknowledge that we are situated on stolen land, on the ancestral and traditional territories of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, and the Huron-Wendat, who are the original owners and custodians of this land that they continue to inhabit today. Acknowledging the land on which we work and create is an important first step towards truth and reconciliation. However, much more needs to be done by settlers, by our government, and by us as arts practitioners to educate ourselves and others and to endeavor to end ongoing colonial violence. During this global pandemic, it is important to acknowledge that Indigenous communities in Canada continue to live under increasingly inequitable conditions. Recognizing the Pope's visit to Canada to apologize to Indigenous communities on their own land, we also acknowledge that words are not enough and are committed to actions of reconciliation. So, before I pass things over to you, Leticia, I'd like to thank a few people. Um, uh, So, first of all, I'd like to thank Mark Bennett, who's somewhere here this evening. Hi, Mark. Um, Mark designed the catalog um, and was incredibly patient and supportive of the project from start to finish, so thank you so much. Um, thanks to Endora Press, who printed the book, uh, which turned out beautifully, as you'll see tonight. Um, thanks to Sean Kelly Gallery in New York, who was very accommodating to get, give us permission for David Bay's image in the book, uh, which is um, a stunning addition to the fourth essay. Um, Heather Canals-Rigg, who first invited Leticia um, to be our writer-in-residence at Gallery 44, and you'll find an interview between the two of them in the book, which is a wonderful piece. Um, and I'd also like to thank all of the Gallery 44 staff, um, most of whom are here tonight, and they've been who've been instrumental in getting the book published. And many thanks to Blair, Jonathan, and Dallas at ArtMet for allowing us to gather here this evening. Um, and thanks to Leticia for your generosity and passion to make this book happen. So um, thank you and please stick around. There's beverages out back, um, suggested donation of $5 for uh, alcohol and as well as non-alcoholic drinks. And there's also copies available for sale tonight. So please, please buy one. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's it for me. I'll hand things over to you if you want to join us up on the stage. And there's just <laughs>
1: Hi everybody! Thank you so much for coming out and for being here to celebrate the launch of this book. Um, I want to echo so much of what Lillian just said and just thank the Galley Forty Four team for organizing Art Metropole for hosting. Um, I just want to go through some thank yous. I um, want to begin by thanking. Well, maybe I should start talking about the the piece. Um, when I Heather first invited me to this residency in 2020, and it was, to say the least, the most turbulent of times, summer 2020. The world was burning in various ways, and immediately I was thrilled to be invited to be writer-in-residence, and I thought, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to grapple with what was going on in the world. Specifically, I thought I wanted to write about incarceration and state perpetrated violence, and I started to research that imagery, and. It was really difficult and I realized actually quite quickly that what I needed was something buoyant. I needed to be engaging with something much more joyful. And the first thing that came to mind was water and swimming in particular, which is something that I've loved doing um, since I was a child. And so that's what this collection represents. And so I want to thank the Gallery 44 team for supporting that, that vision. and. In particular, um, I want to thank Lillian for being such a wonderful managing editor. Um, And Heather, of course, for inviting me and working on the first essay. Alana, who was the most incredible copy editor. Everything that I wrote, she made better through her keen eye. Thank you so much. Um, Megan, who worked so hard on getting all of these images (laughs) in the book. Without her, there would be no images in here. to Darren, who designed beautiful web, website, web pages to accompany each essay. And to Mark, who really just knocked it out of the park with the design of this book. Like, I can't believe how gorgeous this is. Thank you, Mark, for just understanding the vision and executing it so beautifully. And I want to also thank my friends. Many of you are here. You're all acknowledged in the book as well. Many of you are. Um, and my family, and my husband, who is my first reader, and my first audience, who made so much of this possible. And I also want to thank my brother, who's not here. He's in New York, or he's in New Jersey. But the book is dedicated to him, because so much of this book reflects on my relationship to water and swimming from my youth growing up. And I'm so lucky to say that I had my brother by my side the entire time, who's my best friend and who I hope to continue swimming with um, for years to come. And so I guess with that, I'm gonna read a little bit from the collection. I'm gonna read from um, an essay that takes place in Italy, specifically Sicily, um, where I spent some time as a graduate student and Turns out the sea was um, very important to that trip. And the essay is called, Tell Me Where the Sea Is. Everybody can hear me? Mm -hmm. I'm projecting well? Okay. I had never seen anything like it. Sapphire blue parasols, dozens of them, studded along the shore like little gems, twinkling in alabaster sand, stretching on forever. Beneath each parasol was a chair, contorted every which way, and filthy from the sandy debris deposited by their previous occupants. I paid my 15 euro toll to a young shirtless man, claimed a spot with unobstructed access to the water, and began unpacking my wares for the day's activities, scanning the faces and bodies on the beach, taking it all in. So this was a Lido. Innocuously derived from the Latin word for seashore, Lido is best described as a private beach club accounting for a multi-billion euro industry, with the ones in Sicily serving well-to-do Italians flocking from the mainland in August, and fewer initiated tourists like myself throughout the remainder of the year. I had come to Sicily on a pilgrimage to see the islands as the hero Odysseus had, to lay my eyes upon Scylla and Charybdis, the sea monsters who once perched on the Strait of Messina, the Azul di Ciclopi, home to Poseidon's son Polyphemus and his one-eyed horde and maybe even catch a squinted glimpse of the nymph nymph Calypso's Maltese home just beyond the southern coast. I discovered Lido's through my travel research, which consisted mostly of Google image searches and poring over TripAdvisor forums, all promising an experience unlike any I've ever known, with drone-captured photos of desolate beaches, sanitized of people, the desire for solitude burrowing deep into my mind. Neither the forums nor photos warned of Italy's politics and their bearing on the Sicilian beach, that the Lido would become a crucible for examining the country's anti-black and anti-migrant ideologies, and that my own internal sense of blackness would shift ever so slightly as I reclined on those shores. That summer, my ceaseless bus boarding and train catching along the Ionian coast was punctuated by hostile check-ins, piazza strolls, trattoria meals, and many visits to local Lidos. I cared little for churches and quickly grew tired of ruins, so I went to the water, often. I went for the waves and the sunshine, but stayed because it was one of the only public places where I felt safe, even as I lounged half-naked, without a cell phone, surrounded by hundreds of strangers. In the Piazza, I worked hard to avoid the perverse stares of shopkeepers, rolled my eyes when my requests for tavolo per Peruna were met with leers and always remembered my personal calculation of one Aperol, spritz, or two glasses of wine as the safest amount to drink while out dining alone. Often, if I made the mistake of locking eyes with someone, I would be crudely asked, refugee? The answer to which they certainly already knew, but still sought confirmation. These refugees, whose collective identity was always summarized through legal taxonomy, we're mostly from South Asia or North and West African countries like Tunisia and Senegal. Many of them with a skin of varying shade of mine, though not all of them black. Though not all of them black, their arrival to, their arrivals to Sicily's shores over the past century are documented through interchangeable headlines like "Scores of migrants land on beach" and "Migrants dock in Sicily after 40 days at sea." and paired with dystopic images of Zumba dancers, their hips gyrating as a tanker approaches. I both witnessed and participated in this beachside dispassion as all Lido visitors are required to do, lolling in their bathing suits while interacting through slight or exploit with migrants selling goods such as necklaces and blankets or services such as hair braiding and massage, earning as little as five euro for hours of effort under the blazing sun. While Italians for the most part ignored Lido vendors, I could not look away and desperately, unsuccessfully tried to make contact. I wanted to share that look, that curled lip, that raised eyebrow that acknowledges the absurdity and and subjection of this sandy place between sea and city. That's it.
0: questions. Um I understand also maybe we can like move outside and it can be a bit more casual we can have conversation that way too. But if anyone has anything they'd like to add to contribute now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. So All right.